pages. Jesus led me all the way. Beautiful, beautiful words. If you have your Bible, please open it to Ruth chapter 1. Ruth chapter 1. Some women of Bethlehem said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a Redeemer. May he be renowned in all Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life, a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap, laid him on her lap and, and became his nurse. And the women of the neighborhood gave him the name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed, the father of Jesse, the father of David. As we saw last week, these words represented Naomi's present situation, one of joy, one of life, redemption, nourishment, peace, filled. And if Ruth 4 was the only chapter of this book that you read, you can get the misconception that Naomi sure had an easy life. Easy life. Easy going life. However, that was far from the case. You have to realize and keep in mind that, that Naomi had a trail that, that lagged behind her life. Things went on before we got to Ruth 4. And last week, we, we started our journey. We started our little walk along her trail. And what did we see last week? We saw she had troubles in her life. We saw she had bad decisions in her life. And this morning, as we continue our walk, we're going to see something else on her path, on her trail. So let's look at verse 3. We're going to look at verses 3 through 6 and also 19 through 22. Here is God's word. But Amalek, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These two, these two took Moabite wives. The name of one was Oprah and the name of the other Ruth. And they lived there about ten years. And both Mylon and Chilion died. And so the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Verse 19. So the two of them went until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town stared because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? She said to them, do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full. The Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought tragedy into my life? So Naomi returned. And Ruth, her, and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab, they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. This is God's word. Please pray with me. Father, as we come to your truth, we need your spirit to move. We need him to move. The spirit is the one that gives life. The flesh is no help. So we need him to come and take what is preached, apply it to my heart and apply it to everyone's heart that's here. You know the hearts of everyone here. I do not. Can't even figure out my own heart. So, Spirit, do what you do best. 
Woo us to Christ more and more. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. We talked about the troubles and the bad decisions that held down a spot on Naomi's life. Today we're going to move to a third one, and it's grief. Grief. Grief held down a, a huge spot on the trail of Naomi's life. And the cause of her grief is, grief is seen in verses 3 through 5. You see, last week we, we saw Naomi and her family leave their homeland. They left the house of bread, Bethlehem, and they moved to Moab. They left the familiar for the unfamiliar, but over time the unfamiliar became familiar because they found comfort in Moab. They were not returning to Bethlehem. They settled there in a new life. But over time, tragedy came again. The word says, but Emelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. Now, the author doesn't give us the reasons and the circumstances surrounding his death. I wish he would have, but he doesn't. He just tells us the result. The wife and the two sons were left without a father and a husband. They were in bereavement from the loss. The family of four is now down to a family of three. The father and husband has moved on away from the land of the living. You see, even though the author does not tell us why the husband died, we still know what losing a loved one does to a person. Don't we? A spouse who loses a spouse goes through something. Goes through something. A parent who loses a child goes through some things. A child who loses a parent goes through something. What does it do to you? It pierces you to the core. There's restless, sleepless nights, loneliness, and for some, even depression. In other words, death causes grief. It does. It causes grief. Jeremiah 8, 18 says, my joy is gone. Grief is upon me. My heart is sick. Within me. And that's deep. My heart is sick within me. Many of you personally know what it's like to have your heart sick within you. If you don't, one day you will. Because one day, death comes knocking at everybody's door. One day you will know if you don't already know. And Naomi knows, or she knew because it's in the past, because she's no different than any one of us who lost a loved one, a spouse. Grief was upon her. I'm sure her heart was sick within her. You see, I love preaching from the Old Testament. You know why? Because this is real life. This is just not a Disney book or a Disney story that's going to be on the Disney Channel next week. This is real life. This happened. Real situations, real loss, real people, humanity. She was empty and hurting. 
And worst of all, things are going to get worse for Naomi. It doesn't get easier. It's going to get worse, much worse. Because 10 years after the death of her husband, tragedy came again. Now, before that tragedy in verse 4, we know that her sons took Moabite wives. And last week I said I believe that was a bad decision because the law of God prohibited his people for, for intermarrying with those from other religions, meaning Christians don't marry non-Christians. That's basically the point. The author tells us nothing about Naomi's objection to this, these marriages. She doesn't say don't do it. And one Christian said something that, that I really think shows why. He says, in my view, Naomi probably welcomed the wedding as a sweet medicine for her bitter grief. Moab's food restored life to a, a failing family, and now through these marriages, the family line may continue. The, her, the, the sons marrying these women was a guarantee that the family line would continue. Because what every mother wants when their kids get married. And I want grandkids. At least that's what my mom told me <laughs> when the grandkids are coming. But after 10 years of marriage, there were no grandkids. And you know what? There never were going to be any grandkids. Because we read in verse 5, the two sons died as well. Two sons died as well. So Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. She was once again thrown in the oven of grief and, and death struck once again for the third, for the second and third time. Her heart was pierced once more. Total loss. And to be honest, unless this has happened to you, there's no way you can fully grasp the level of her pain and grief. Unless you have lost a spouse and all your kids, there's no way you can understand what she went through. No way. You can sympathize with her, her and others, and who lost a loved one. She was a widow, childless, grandchildless. And one of my professors says when he talked when he talked about Naomi, he says she lacks now the protection of a husband. Remarriage was improbable because she was of old age, beyond childbearing, and she was a widow without kids. The worst fate. For an Israelite woman. No kids in old age, the worst situation to be in. Her provider was gone, her protector was gone, and with the death of her sons, her family line was pretty much cut off. That was it. You realize that. For this for, for this culture, the continuation of the family is very, very important. With her, it was it the passing of her two sons, there were going to be no more of her family. That was it. She had nothing left. She was empty. She was sinking in grief. Many of you know that my family has experienced a lot of deaths these past months. And sadly, we experienced another one. You know, my in-laws lost a real close friend this week. And this was the third funeral for them in three months. Third. Two close relatives and now a good friend that my mother-in-law grew up with. And my family's been through grief. And my mother-in-law, she, my father-in-law said my mother-in-law broke down this week, on Saturday night, Friday night, I think, about this death. Because she's in grief. Because that's what death does to you. 
And some of our families are still going through it because it takes time to come out of it. A friend of mine who is a chaplain says, you cannot sermonize a person out of their grief. You can't. Telling them God is sovereign. He's in control of this situation. <laughs> Isn't going to magically take away the pain. It is not. It's a journey. It's a process. A grieving person needs room to grieve. They don't need a lesson in theology when they're in their grief. Let them grieve. Let them grieve. It's healthy to grieve the loss of a loved one. It's unhealthy not to. Because you keep that stuff locked inside, eventually it's going to come out. Don't Hide it. Don't pretend like it's okay. If you need to break down, break down. Grieving is part of healing. And in verses 19 through 20, we see Naomi grieving. We hear in her own words what she went through. Verses 19 through 21 shows us what happened when Naomi returned to Bethlehem. They show us her response to her grief. You see, when she arrived in Bethlehem, some women thought they recognized her. They were like, that's a familiar face. Man. Is that Naomi? In her grieving spirit, what did she say? Don't call me Naomi. Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full. The Lord has brought me back in. Why call me Naomi? Why? When the Lord has testified against me, the Almighty has brought suffering upon me. What do you make of these words from Naomi? She was angry. That's her response. Anger. She tells these women, don't call me pleasant and lovely. That's, Naomi means pleasant and loving. She says, do not call me pleasant and lovely. Call me bitter. That's what Mara means. I mean, you're talking about, wow, like, no longer, don't, don't, don't call me by my name. You just call me bitter because that's what I am right now. We talk about being honest. Imagine you meet someone you haven't seen in a long time and say, don't call me so-and-so. Just call me bitter because I'm bitter and I'm angry. We need that kind of honesty about what we're going through. She was up front with hers. She did not pretend her life was okay when it wasn't. She didn't fake it. This is what I'm going through. I'm bitter. Why? Why? Don't call me pleasant and lovely. Why? Because at this moment, my life is not lovely and pleasant. That's why. It hasn't been lovely and pleasant in a long time. I went away from Bethlehem full, happy, my family with me. And now the Lord has brought me back empty. My family's gone. My husband's gone. My sons are gone. I have nothing but pain, hurt, and sorrow. And the Lord did it, she says. He testified against me. The Almighty has brought tragedy upon me. Her anger is directed toward the Lord. She sounds like Job. 
she felt she had been put on trial and the Lord had found her guilty. He testified against me. She blamed God for her loss. She felt abandoned by God. She felt punished by God. And you know what? Her response is no different than the one you would have if you lost your whole family too. You would be like this too. You would be angry. And that anger would be directed toward God. You can sit here and be all spiritual, but I'm telling you, when you in, if you lose your family, you would be pissed off with God about that. Just, just be real. I would. Is that, is that right or is that being rational? No, but I'm in a lot of pain. He's the only one I can latch out to. I'm just, I'm just keeping it real. We're humans, right? Let's just be honest about our tendencies. You would do the same. You would be angry with him. You would blame him for the laws. You would feel abandoned by him. And you would probably feel like, why is God punishing me? You see, it's hard to say that Naomi was experiencing this stuff due to some, some sin in her life because the author doesn't say that. But what these words teach us is that troubles and bad decisions and grief are unavoidable in life. In these five verses in Ruth, this is what they teach us. Eventually, you're going to make bad decisions. Eventually, you're going to have troubles. And eventually, you're going to go through grief. That's part of everybody's journey. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you live. I don't care how much you try to protect your life. And parents... You can't shelter your kids from that. I don't care what you do. Eventually, they're going to have troubles. Eventually, they're going to make bad decisions. And eventually, they're going to go through grief. What you got to do is teach them how to respond. Sheltering your kids from the fall, that ain't real life. Because eventually, they go to college. Eventually, they go to college. And so our responsibility is to teach them how to live in a fallen, broken world. Because when we send them out, they're better prepared that way. Trouble, bad decisions, and grief comes knocking at all of our doors at some point. I had lunch this week with a friend. He does a lot of grief counseling, so he, he was definitely someone I wanted to talk to as I was writing this sermon. And I asked him to send me some material uh, on grief, and he did. But, but actually, the email he wrote me was even better than the stuff he sent me. And this is what he tell, told me in this email. He says, the normal grief reaction is anger. That's a normal reaction to grief. And this anger that an individual feels is expressed at God. It's misplaced on God, I should add, but I normally don't say as much. I just help them to, to process that they're feeling anger. Later down the road, they'll be able to name their feelings more accurately, but that's always later. Most people tell you that they are angry at God are really not angry at him. They are really telling you they are hurting beyond what they have ever experienced. And they are growing in their faith to trust a God who will allow such a loss to occur without intervening. That's the real question we're asking. Why didn't he intervene in the loss of my loved one? And there are many versions to this type of response, he says. All that to say that not all express anger is what it appears. It's not what it appears. This anger of Naomi is not what it appears. She was hurting beyond what she had ever experienced. She said to herself, I went away full, but I came back empty. 
in her own words. She was struggling to trust a God who will allow this situation to happen without intervening, without intervening to do something. But he did intervene. You think it was by accident that Naomi returned to Jerusalem? He did intervene in her grief. See, something happened that prompted her move to, to Bethlehem. Verse 6 says, Then Naomi arose with her daughter-in-law to return from the country of Moab, for she heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and had given them food. That's not chance or fate. It was the Lord at work. Because even in the fields of Moab, she heard Yahweh had visited his people, giving them food. He visited them with, with grace and blessings. The author does not provide any details of how she heard this, but some contact between Bethlehem and Moab existed. And when she heard the good news, she heard that Yahweh has graciously visited his family, provided them food, she responded to that. He didn't visit them in judgment. He, vi- he visited them with blessings. He gave them food. And this was a gift. And this good news motivated her to rise up, even as she was grieving, to go back to Moab. You see, even though she was wounded, angry, grieving, she still responded to Yahweh's intervention. Now, I'm pretty sure she didn't know all that yet. We can see that because we're looking back into her life. This was the Lord intervening in her grief, and she didn't see it. One hymn says, O joy that seeks me through pain, I cannot close my heart to thee. I trace the rainbow through the rain. I feel the promise is not vain. Thou mourn shall tearless be. This was the Lord seeking Naomi through her pain. This little thing, this little good news that, that the Lord had visited his people and given them food was him seeking her in the midst of her grief. And later on, we're going to see that verse 6 was actually the turning point for her, the path of her coming out of her wilderness. Because we always got to know that there are other things in our life at play other than what we go through. And that's the faithfulness of a holy God. That he doesn't shelter us from the sufferings, but he shall do move us through them. Moving forward in the power of our God. And so if you're in the wilderness right now, you're either in the wilderness or coming out of the wilderness, one or the other. Know that the Father, Yahweh, will intervene on your behalf got to hold sight of that. you got to believe that, even in the midst of the pain, that you are not alone. Not alone. Oh, he seeks you in your pain. Do not close your heart to him. None of his promises to you are in vain. He does what he says he's going to do for you. Let us pray. Father God, I thank you that the promises to your people are never in vain. And it's hard to hold firm to those promises when you're in the middle of grief or some trial or suffering. But Lord, your word always is a good reminder to us, medicine to our souls, that you are not silent. You are not just 
up in the heavens partying and partying and, and uninviting and, and not personally engaged. You are always engaged. There's nothing we go through in which you do not see. We are in strive on the palms of your hands, for crying out loud. We're never out of view of you. You are always watching us. And I pray for each of us, Lord, who, who are in the midst of something right now, that the Holy Spirit will remind us of that truth. Not just now, but even when we get ready to go into something. We're either going in or coming out of something. Help us to hold firm to your promises when we're in the valley or when we're on the mountaintop. That our God is good all the time. Amen. Let us stand as we close out our service.